Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Hey, welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure. Also subscribe to Snazzy Stories podcast on iTunes and many other podcast apps or go to snazzystories.com. We all have stories in our lives that are important to us and that's what history is about. As I've said before, is that it's just people making choices and oftentimes it's all about uh, living our life and learning and growing from life lessons. And we all learn life lessons from our parents or our siblings or friends in our lives or even coworkers. Anyone that we know in our lives they have that we've come in contact with, we've experienced things because of them and they've shaped us to who we are. And today's story is a life lesson that I learned from my dad. Now, my dad was a math teacher, a cross-country coach, and a track coach. And I spent much of my childhood at cross-country meets and track meets. Now, being the coach's kid, I learned a lot about these sports and just as much about life and the qualities that my dad had and wanted his kids to have as well as his runners. Before my dad was a coach, he spent his high school and college days as a superb athlete. He was a runner, high jumper, and hurdler. And my dad was fast. He has a twin brother named Willie and they were running mates on their high school teams. My dad and Willie never talked much about how fast they were. They were not the bragging type. My dad was a quiet leader on his team, and later in life, as a coach, he was a quiet, gentle coach. He did not scream at his team. He did not throw anything or use profanity. In fact, my brother's description of my dad as a coach is, I don't think Jesus cares much about sports, but if he did... He would coach like my dad. The only story my dad would really tell about his running days was not about his fastest times or how many championships he and Willie led their team to, which was many. It was about a race that he did not win. He told us that his team, the Valparaiso Indiana cross country team, never wore shoes when they ran in their races. They ran faster without shoes. However, other teams did wear shoes, not only just shoes, but spikes on the bottom of their shoes. In one of my dad's races, a member of another team stepped on my dad's foot, and the spikes cut into the top of his foot. He went down in pain, and when Willie caught up to him, he stopped to see what was wrong. My dad said, they got me, Willie. Go get him. Every time he told me this part of the story, he always choked up a bit. Willie ended up not only catching up to the person who spiked my dad and passed him, but Willie won the race. My dad had scars on his foot from those spikes the rest of his life. That is the only story he told us about his cross-country glory days. The story of his twin brother who stopped to see if he was okay and then telling him to go get him. Dad was fast. He broke many records and still holds some today. He led his teams to countless victories, newspaper clippings galore, but he never talked about those accomplishments. In fact, at his funeral, my sister had put together a display of all of his athletic achievements, and not one person knew about them. 
Even the people who had known him for 30-plus years had no idea how amazing of an athlete he was. My dad was an incredible athlete, math teacher, and coach. And what made him a remarkable human being is that he was more concerned about other people doing their best than any of his accolades. My dad acquired a teaching job in St. George, Utah, and when he arrived, there was no cross-country teams at any of the schools. People believed it was too hot in southern Utah to have kids running outside in the dry heat of Utah's Dixie. But not my dad. This Indiana boy brought cross-country to southern Utah, and now it is a very popular sport here in southern Utah. In cross-country, everyone makes the cross-country team. Not one person is cut from the team. If somebody wants to be on the team, he or she just has to show up to practice and do their best. There is a JV team and a varsity team. All runners will have their three-mile race to run no matter how fast they are. The top seven runners will run in the varsity race, and everyone else will run in the JV race. The goal for every race is to beat one's own personal best time. One will often hear runners talk about their PR, or personal record. However, cross-country is a team sport and is scored according to the place that each team member finishes. The lowest score wins. Ideally, teams want their runners to place consecutively, one through seven for varsity, and consecutively for however many JV runners there are. This is where the strategy comes into play. Running together as a pack is important. All runners need to stay together for them to place consecutively. This strategy has some other benefits as well. The runners push each other to do their best, and it also helps encourage each other to keep going, even if they are having a rough race. The power of the pack has deafening strength. My dad was an amazing coach and instilled in his runners the power of the pack mentality, not only for the purpose of winning, but also for the purpose of encouraging fellow teammates. Dad led by example. On a long-distance practice day, he would have his team run six miles instead of the regular three miles that their races were. He knew it would be a difficult practice, so he would make sure that all of his team members would make it back to the school. He knew all of his runners, JV and varsity, and if one person hadn't made it back to the school when he thought they should, he would hop in his blue truck and go look for them. Oftentimes, you would see runners who were just beginning their training riding in the bed of my dad's blue truck back to the school. Some runners were just slower than others, but he would always find and check on them to make sure they were okay. Some wanted to finish their assigned training and told him that they didn't need a ride. Dad would go back to the school and wait for all runners to return. He never left while any of his runners were still on the course. On days that the training involved running up a large hill, he would park his truck at the bottom of the hill and have a big orange jug full of cold water in the bed of his truck waiting for the runners. Dad would always encourage and cheer on all of his runners, especially if he had them run the hill two or three times. His example was infectious to all of his runners. At every race, I would see members of his team who had already finished the race go back along the course, find their teammates who had not finished, and yell cheers of encouragement to them. Sometimes, even run beside them if they were struggling. Varsity would cheer on the JV runners, and the JV runners would cheer on the varsity. It did not matter who had the fastest time. My dad's team's top priority was helping others finish their race. Not only did we cheer on my dad's team, the Pineview High School runners, 
but we also cheered on runners from other teams when we could tell that they were struggling to finish. I remember my family and the Pineview runners led by my mom and dad cheering for total strangers on other teams many times throughout the years. We were taught to encourage all runners, not just our own team. I spent a few summers training with the cross-country team, and I attended cross-country meets from the time I could walk until my senior year in high school. This gave me the opportunity to see a lot of races and see my parents' positive effects on the team. My mom would take us to most all of the cross-country meets, not only to see my older siblings run, but also to support my dad and the Pineview cross-country team. I learned the ins and outs of effective cheering. Begin at the starting line, cut across the course to any heels on the race, Always cheer the runners running up the hills. Then head to the last stretch of the race. Not at the finish line, because by then they have already finished. No, runners need encouragement during the last 100 to 200 yards. The words of encouragement that I, my siblings, and my mom yelled with all our might at the last 100 to 200 yards of the race were, kick it in, meaning give everything you have. This is your moment. My dad was excellent in cheering others on, beginning in his own running days by telling Willie to go get him. And he taught all of his children and his runners that helping their teammates and pushing them to their best was what was important, whether they placed first, second, or 26th. When I was going through some of my dad's old pictures and newspaper articles, I found one that he had kept from a local newspaper written by a sports writer, D. Gary Webb the year that my dad retired from the public school life. I assumed as a sports writer, he had the opportunity to interact with many coaches along the way, but Gary Webb seemed awestruck by my dad's coaching character. He saw in my dad what his family saw, and it was normal to us, but dad was an anomaly in the world of coaches. Webb wrote, quote, After 31 years in the public school system, Coach Comfort is calling it quits and he'll be sorely missed. I don't know what sort of a teacher the man is, but as a coach and a human being, he's right at the top in my book. I suppose that all started back when Comfort was a member of the SUSC Thunderbirds track squad and held a record or two for many years. While he was setting them, I was trying to decide what a 5'10", 123-pound body could possibly excel at athletically, and along the way, I watched Comfort run and run and run around our town. The track coach in those days was Steve Lunt, who coached everything at one point or another, and Comfort was one of a handful of stars who set many of the marks that held until the recent crop of tracksters came along. Shoot, maybe Comfort still has his name in the books. He was that good. In those ancient days, the athletic department had these big boards with players of the year in all the sports every year, and all the records set in track. The boards were displayed in the old physical education building, and as middle school hopefuls, we would regularly stop and check those boards as we tried to sneak into the gym for a game of hoops with some of the Thunderbirds during the off-season, or just among ourselves if we had to. So I knew how to spell comfort long before I came to know him. He married into a neighborhood family in good standing, and in those days, it was somewhat of a gossip note when a cedar man moved to Dixie. But somehow the Comforts made it work, and when Pineview opened, or shortly thereafter, Bob Comfort was on the staff. Of course, not being best buddies, I'm sure he didn't even know my name, since it never appeared on the big boards with all the records. Our paths didn't cross until I quit being a therapist and became a sports writer many years later. 
By then, Comfort had constructed the only cross-country team in the state with a chance of beating the Cedar Girls, and he worked hard at achieving that goal. His boys' team won the title first, and I was impressed with their character and personal ethics. I've long believed that teams take on the personality of their coach to one degree or another, and this team was truly a team. Comfort coached the girls to within reach of the Lady Reds several times before capturing the championship, and when I went to interview him, there was no gloating, no blowing his horn, no bragging about the feat. In fact, I couldn't tell the difference right off between this man and the one who came so close for so long, and that told me a lot. Bob Comfort is a coach who asked for the best of his runners, and he had some of the finest to exit the area during his time. But he also asked for a little more. He asked them to be good people. And the ones I've had the chances to become close to or even interview have reflected those values. For Coach Bob Comfort, how his team won or lost was as important as if it won or lost. He never sold his soul to the devil to get the big trophy. That's a lesson this old writer will remember for a long time. Unquote. Training with my dad's cross-country team and growing up attending so many races helped me understand the importance of always supporting other people and never giving up on others or yourself before the race is finished. We all have our tough races to run, and others do too. I was taught to run as a pack, and when others struggle, we cheer them on. The power of the pack gives us the ability to lift others and allow others to lift us and then we will all finish our races he taught me to kick it in and finish strong even when I don't have the strength left and when life is so difficult that we don't know how to finish our race we find our team and say go get them thank you for listening to snazzy stories come back again where everyone has a story 